0: Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I wish that publicist was around when I was hiring for my first company. Lara Vandenberg has truly changed the game when it comes to hiring contract workers. You're definitely going to want to listen to this episode. I will say that when starting my first company, hiring contractors was really the way I was able to expand my talent and get help because at the time I wasn't able to afford full-time employees. Now that eventually changed, but Having had access to a website like Publicist for my hiring would have been a game changer. Whether you're a freelancer or looking to possibly hire talent, this is a conversation you're absolutely going to want to listen to. Plus, Lara is so impressive. At such a young age, she has accomplished so much. I'm so excited for you to meet her. Lara Vandenberg is the CEO and founder of Publicist, the company redefining the way brands hire communications and marketing talent. Publicist is the online marketplace to source premium pre vetted marketing and communication experts on demand. Solving a major pain point for the industry and as a thought leader in the future of work category, Lara is on a mission to transform the inefficiencies in marketing. Prior to Publicist and over the course of her career, Lara has led communications and marketing from high growth tech and consumer startups to large enterprises. Vandenberg was named to the Forbes 30 under 30 list and the B&T 30 under 30 list for innovation and advertising. Please come on in and meet Laura Vandenberg. All right, today and Dear Founder, we have Laura Vandenberg, who is the CEO and founder of Publicist. And I will tell you, this is not, I say Publicist, she is not a PR firm. This is not what she does. She has a company that I wish existed when I started my first company, and a company that I will likely use, if not for myself now, for clients moving into the future. Um, Lara has a company that essentially has changed the way we hire communications and marketing talent, and she has made it so it is really possible for everyone from startups to huge corporations, and I'm so excited to dive into your story and to hear what it is that you are doing and how you got here, so welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So, okay. You have an amazing story and you are, you are a young founder and Mm -hmm. I hope you don't mind me saying that, but it is very impressive what you've been able to accomplish, um, you know, at such a young age. And so I would love for you to take us through the journey on how you got to where you got and how this idea even came about. Yeah. So I wish I had thought of it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> do you know what it it had been brewing in my mind for so many years before I pulled the trigger but let me start um like right at the beginning so I'm Australian uh my dad um had a PR agency in Australia and it was him and so many contractors and this is you know for the past 40 years he I learned everything that I know from communications and marketing and media from him. He's, you know, he's now in his seventies and operates his business still from his mobile phone. And he's just, you know, the world's best practitioner. Well, you know, I'm biased, but he's amazing. And so I had this like really interesting Um, intimate knowledge growing up of at 14, I was writing press releases for him. And I was so privy to conversations between clients and journalists and celebrities. And so almost by the time I was 18, I had this almost degree in comms and marketing. And so I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I just didn't know what side of the industry I was essentially going to land on. Um, university in Australia is a little different to in the US that it's not like you go to college and it's you're there I had a full-time job as the same time as I did you know a four-year degree and so I was in media and then I went to um, a PR agency and that's kind of where I really got my my foot in the door Um, finished the degree and I think the next day I was on a plane to New York to just kind of get out of there and had you know booked a one-way ticket Um, and ended up getting a job. I applied for every job, you know, hustled my way in um, and ended up working for an amazing company called Westfield, the big mall developer. And I worked on the marketing team as, you know, I think I was getting coffees at the time, and we launched Westfield World Trade Center. So the first property in New York. And, I mean, kind of coming in starry-eyed to have that as the first thing you do was just you know it was an unbelievable experience and you know made amazing relationships still my my boss who was the CMO there you know we're still close today so I was there at Westfield um so on the brand side and wanted to jump into the startup scene so this was you know 2014 the startup scene in New York was really really hot it was it was very exciting and I think when you're interviewing a startup, you're almost interviewing them more than they're interviewing you. Like you are joining this crazy mission and it's almost like the talent is interviewing the company rather than the inverse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up working for a beauty company um, as pretty much the sole comms and marketing person. So the company is called Archetypes, um, was a female founder. Her name's Christina Carlino and she, her previous company was Philosophy. So she sold, you know, you know, phenomenal female founder, but she sold, scaled and sold philosophy um, and then archetypes was her, her next project. So I did that for a few years um, and then jumped into tech, which, you know, not a natural progression. Um, you know, my my background's very non-linear, but essentially went from beauty to tech and really dove in the deep end. Um, at that point, I joined as VP um, of a SaaS enabled content marketing platform called Notch, and really got so deep in the tech side of the advertising industry. So that was kind of my background, jumping around from agency to larger enterprise to consumer to tech. And I give that background because I had the same problem no matter where I was in the industry. Um, and that problem was really kind of twofold. And the first problem was, Access to premium communications, creative, marketing, content, production, talent is really, really hard to access. Um, so that's kind of the,
0: that's the story to get us to, to the problem of, of what I was facing. So you have this problem. And what is the solution? I mean, what happens? Like, what, what, how do you decide, okay, I'm going to create this platform online that anyone can essentially tap into?
1: So I think it was 2018 and I had built up such an amazing network or maybe, yeah, 2018, I had built up such an amazing network in New York that I was almost operating as a human marketplace. So my friends from the agency and brand world were saying, Lara, I need an amazing strategist or creative director or videographer. And so I was spending all of my time outside of my nine to five making these introductions. And so that was kind of the pain point. And I guess what in terms of incumbents and what existed in the, in the ecosystem were you had staffing agencies who are taking between 20 and 35% for anything from a project to a full-time role. Um, You've got horizontal marketplaces like the Fivers of the World, the Upworks, and they're fantastic, but they don't vet the talent. With marketing and when it comes to brand, it's not a binary outcome. It's not like you did this or you didn't do this. It is such a subjective art that you need premium talent. And so that was kind of the, the tipping point in which I was like, how is there not a solution for this? And so I guess when I started, I knew nothing. I was not a technologist. I worked at a tech company, so I had relationships with engineers, but I didn't know the first thing about being a project manager, a product manager. Um, but I was really close with the CTO at notch at the time. And he was, you know, amazing in giving me, giving me so much help and advice and really told me kind of how to run, um, how to be a, more of a project manager. And so
0: we I want to th- ask you something though. Sorry. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but oh, like, right, when did you decide it was like a website? Like, like you, like, when did you decide like, this was like how it is now is like how it was going to be. You know what I mean? Cause it, I think it's so easy to like have this problem, you have this solution and you know, you can solve it, but like you were kind of solving it for people manually, but how do you decide that, like, this is how it's going to be? I wish that I had a better answer than I just did it. I Like, I know that there is
1: so much um, education on there and, like, you know, do MVPs and start with groups. But I just went for it. I It was like I didn't have that much to lose. It was like this is either going to work or it didn't, and you spent a little bit of money um, in trying to kind of build a 1.0 or an MVP. And then if that works and if people are using it, then you can – how, you know we ended up raising money, and I'm sure we'll get to that um in a little, but that's what we did. I, I, so that I don't have a better answer for you than it was my gut was so strong. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is so we're in this in we're in this category called verticalized marketplaces, or you know, and they exist for legal and they exist for accounting and they exist for nursing, like even now engineering and management consulting. and, nothing had existed in marketing. And I really think that the reason is up until almost five years ago, in the industry, you had one of two roles. You were either in-house or at an agency. And so this move to freelance and contract work, and that's, you know, 90% of what we do is is contract consulting, freelance, fractional. Um, That really has only started to be more sophisticated in the past five years. And while it wasn't influenced by COVID, COVID was such an accelerator for people to leave their jobs, that they weren't getting the satisfaction out of um, their employers. They realized that they can can work on their own terms for those that they like, making more money with more of a work-life balance. And so I think a lot of, a lot of that has been in our favor. Um, we launched to market May of 2020. So it was probably the least ideal time to launch. It was supposed to be March. And every day it was like, is today the right time? Is tomorrow
0: the right time? And it it just got to a point where we just, we did it. Guess what? I have two spots open on my coaching calendar starting October 1st. Many of you have asked me how you can work with me one-on-one to build your community through sustainable social media practices, partnerships and collaborations, email marketing, publicity, and more. Earlier this summer when I announced I was taking clients, the spots filled up in less than a week. But good news, my calendar is opening up and I'll be taking on two new clients later this fall. If you're interested, simply grab 30 minutes from me through the link in the show notes and let's talk about how we can work together to build your community for bottom line growth. I can't wait to meet you. So you you had access to engineers and whatnot and you decided to build this platform and so you built a website, Marketplace. And you're pushing back the the date because no one knows what the hell's going on at this time. And like should you launch, should you not launch? And so you put it out there in the world. How do you put it out there and what happens when you do?
1: So yeah, we had so I actually had engineers in Poland build a site start to finish. And so it was, you know, it was a year of working my nine to five. And then I called this my five till nine in, um, you know, getting up at 4am and doing calls with them every day. And then after hours, kind of working on everything else that needed to happen. Because again, this is a tech product. This is, you know, we launched a 100% tech product, which I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so we launched in May, I think it was May 6th, 2020. But we We had a really great announcement, all things considered. Um, Again, I think it was a lot of people were losing their jobs at the time, which was devastating. But the press really got behind us in that publicist was finding a landing pad and a home for these people who, for the first time in their careers, had found themselves out of work, that they all of a sudden had access to really premium curated jobs. And as you said before, we have clients that are really large companies and we have company, and we have clients that are, you know, they're just about to launch. And so at the same time, one of the things that we're able to do was almost democratize the access to talent. Because kind of back to um, what I was saying before about up until five years ago, you had two roles, either in an agency or at a brand. Similarly, companies up until Five years ago, really only had the option to hire a creative agency or a branding agency or a PR agency or a social. And so, what we've been able to do is really support and highlight, you know, the multi-hyphenate independence. So someone can really go deep on. I need a healthcare uh, freelancer who's a creative director and has done vaccines, and you are able to find that really hyper-specialized talent on the platform.
0: You t- you mentioned very briefly, and you're right. We are going to get into it. The fundraising piece. Yes. So how how did you fund this from the from the start? Like, what was the process? Did you wait to Did you wait to raise money until you had had the version 1.0? What was the process?
1: So we've raised two rounds of funding now. Uh, we raised a pre-seed, which you know used to be called friends and family, from majority chief marketing officers that I had relationships with who themselves had this pain point their entire career. Um, So that was, that's really beautiful. We've got, you know, I love every, every one of my investors and I know not everyone can say that, but they're really spectacular humans who can empathize with the pain point. So it was a lot of CMOs, heads of agency, heads of media companies. We had a couple of funds uh, come in as well. So it was, look, it was really tough. The time in which we raised it was again you know the first I cannot half, even imagine first half of 2020 when the whole no one has any idea what's happening and I'm you know essentially begging people to part with their money and we got there and we had enough cash and and last year we raised another um you know lean round of funding but
0: yeah it's So, okay. So I, I have so many things that I'm going to make you explain just, just, I want you to know. So first I want you to kind of walk us through where you are now. So it's been two years. Congratulations. Where are you now? So we as a company are, let me hang on. Let me, um,
1: okay. So two years in, the company looks very different to what I thought it was going to look like. So we have actually spent the last six months completely rebuilding the platform for it to be a very, um, call it scalable platform so we can work with really, really large companies. So over the last two years, I think one of the biggest learnings has been bigger the company, bigger the pain point, more people that they need to hire. And I think that reason is, Corporate America is not adjusting as fast as the pace of talent wants them to. And so we're seeing some companies with 40 to 45% attrition rates, and you cannot do business when you're trying to hire for half of your organization. So we and I can talk to, you know, the platform. We've got 10,000 vetted marketers on the platform. So we vet every single person and we look for things like we've got five years minimum experience um, is essential, you know, correct geography. We're live in the US, the UK, Australia, um, and we'll open more mar- more European uh, regions this year. Um, we look for things like portfolios and references and agencies, brands, publishers you've you've worked with to skill sets and industries. And the reason that we ask for such rich data is so We want the client and the talent to be able to shorten their decision-making time because sometimes it takes companies sixteen weeks to hire a contractor. Now, Mm -hmm. not sixteen weeks to hire a contractor. Um, Now, when we say contract, that could mean a twelve-month retainer, or that could mean a one-thousand-word blog post. And so, we really do. So, of those ten thousand people, we have five. We call them um, talent pillars. So. Communications, creative, marketing, content, and production. Within those five talent pillars, we have hundreds of skill sets. And it ranges from, you know, I've mentioned some art direction to crisis communications to content to photography. So it's really anything in marketing. Um, And then on the client side, we work with company. We work with everyone. And what's really interesting, as we've seen over the last couple of years, is our platform is almost a reflection of what's going on in culture. So last year, the demand for healthcare and crypto and fintech and general technology just boomed. And then that's kind of settled a little more, but we really work across 60 of the main industries from, you know, healthcare to wellness, to tech, to everything in between.
0: But you are a reflection of what is going on in corporate America and in the workplace. I mean, I like, So I have been saying for years, and I will say, you know, when I had my first company before it was sold, I had, I had employees, but I also used a lot of contractors as do many small businesses. And I always said in that moment, you know, I, I have this company for moms and I want to be able to employ moms and give them the flexibility that they want in the workplace. And so it was a little bit ahead of this time right i mean this was like 5 6 years ago i had tons of flexible employees and it was great because i wanted them to be able to work and be a mom just like me that's why i started my company fast forward here we are and this is the way of the world i mean no one is everyone wants flexibility now no one's working 9 to 5 no one's chained to their desk and people want to work on their own terms and you are providing that to on both ends of the spectrum and at the same time companies want to have contractors. They don't want these long-term commitments. So it's you are a reflection of the working world at the moment, which is incredible.
1: Yeah. And look, I think on that as well, one of the things that we're... So we've kind of addressed the problem why clients need publicist. On the talent side, what we found that's really interesting and how we're helping them as well is A lot of people who have been in full-time jobs for a long time are first-time freelancers. That is a massive trend. You know, they're saying by 2025, 50% of the US is going to be freelance. Crazy numbers. What's really interesting, though, is our talent, most of them are just very, very good at the work. But when it comes to they've never had to pitch before for themselves, which as a marketer is actually way harder to do than you would think because we are constantly writing briefs for other people, but we've never had to write a brief for ourselves. So the pitching, the sending contracts, the sending invoices, the tax stuff, um, we actually do that completely on the platform as well. So we've integrated and we, we can go through the flow, but we want to alleviate the business admin for all of our talent, so they can really just focus on what they're good at, which is the work.
0: Which is awesome, and that's what—who doesn't want that? How are you making money? So we make money in one of two ways. Um, we only charge the
1: client, and we charge them as they go. So we take a percentage of um, the contract fee if they are hiring, kind of like one to five to ten people, which is you know small businesses. We, after 10 people, that starts to get pretty expensive um, if we're taking a percentage every single time. So at that point, and this is, you know, how we work with larger companies, we just charge them a license subscription fee um, annually so they can hire as many people as they want. So that's how we monetize. We have no interest in taking money away from our talent. Um, so we just, you know, partner with, with the
0: clients. The best part? There's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FoundHer and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. So I'm a brand and I want to use your platform to hire someone. What happens? Yes. So you
1: sign up for a publicist account. It takes about 20 seconds. And what you're able to do is twofold. So you can go in and you can use our search function to look for exactly what you need. So we've got um, search where you can type in the industry and the skill set and you can browse. So you get a certain amount of credits. Um, What most people do is they go to the platform and you're able to post a project. So rather than you looking for talent, the talent can come to you. So let's just say we want to post um, a job at $2,000 a week and it is a go-to-market strategist for a month for a food company. So you're able to go on and, you know, we ask you a set of questions. It takes about five minutes to post a project. And then from there, everyone with those tags that you've put in, so you know, food industry, go to market in Chicago. I mean, 95% of projects are remote given the state of the world. Uh, from there, all of those talent members are notified and they're able to pitch on, on platform. So we have a chat function where you're able to engage. So once you have said, great, um, there's a negotiation function as well. So if someone won't do it for $2,000 a week, they want to do it for $2,500. All of that happens on platform. So. From there, either the talent or the client is able to send a contract through. We've got, you know, a contract integration. They're able to send the invoice. We have the payment integration. So everything happens on platform. Um, The talent's paid up front, which is a really huge thing because, again, the biggest problem, particularly with agencies, is this concept of like net 30, net 60, net, like, God forbid, net 90. Um, (laughs) We've seen net 120. but it's you can't live like that, and so we're really trying to change the narrative, particularly in marketing, that we want you to get paid fifty percent upfront for your work, so you can continue to live. Because I think that is definitely a barrier to entry for a lot of um, independence is is cash flow, um, yes. and so we're really trying to to change that as well.
0: So, on the converse, I am a freelancer and I want to be on your platform. How does that work?
1: Uh, so, when you're talent, you apply to have a profile and portfolio on the platform. So, we ask you for things like past works, references, bios, and kind of a lot of the skill sets that we've we've spoken through. From there, we vet you to the platform, or we put you on a wait list. Where, if you then do more work, we can take you off the wait list. Um, from there, you can browse for through our job boards of everyone that's come onto the platform that has put um, that has posted jobs in the last X amount of days. From there, you're able to apply for the jobs. You can apply to connect with um, the companies and the clients. And then from there, kind of the same process happens whereby you end up speaking. You can send them an invoice. You can send them a contract. um, You can download your 1099s and tax forms through our platform. So we're really trying to make it as easy as possible for the talent to just do the work.
0: How big is your team now, and are you using contractors, or do you have employees or a mix of both? So
1: we are eight full time. Um, we use publicist often
0: to hire
1: for um, content and PR, and we've done go to market. so it's my favorite thing. I, I'm such a marketplace nerd, so any you know any excuse I get, um, the team should probably double in the next couple of months, which is exciting and daunting. Um, but we've got a really strong Remote team. We, I think that's one of the silver lightnings about launching in COVID. When we launched, it was my CTO and I, um, and we didn't have that hurdle of returning to in person. We just started remote because it was early twenty twenty, and so we have started a culture that is remote, and everyone's really happy. We're meeting in person three and four times, three or four times a year, and I think that's going to be the future of the company forever.
0: That's so awesome. So you've obviously solved like your biggest problem and the problem that so many people have, but what are some other bumps in the road that you've come across as a founder? I mean, obviously you switched gears from being an employee to being a founder. And at at one point you were both, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but um, what have been some of the challenges that you faced?
1: I think being non-technical in the beginning was a huge challenge. And so, you know, Again, I paid my CTO before I paid myself for a long time because he was, you know, he complimented my, you know, stark weakness. And I think that's been something that's been a really important lesson you need to hire um, for the superpowers that you don't have. And so I have a Thank team you seen that oh, always I have a team who are much smarter in their respective fields. Than I am and I think the quicker you acknowledge that because you no one no one is good at everything no one is good at everything and so when I think you identify what you are very good at and then what takes you way too long and what you can delegate that's probably the most crucial lesson so I think you know not being technical was a huge barrier to entry being a solo founder launching a tech company like and then trying to raise money off the back of that is not easy I mean the statistics in Women raising money—the 2.2 percent in 2021—it's real and it's true and it's really hard. And we are in that statistic that we raised money in 2020, we raise that we raise money in 2021, um, and I'm really proud that we did. But it's not easy, um, and I think that's been it's been a challenge. It's yeah, we've seen, you know, we've seen similar companies. Um, not founded by women who has been more of an idea than anything. And we pitched the same investors and they raised, you know, more
0: money when we were turned down. How how does that feel when that happens? I mean, like, you know, I, like I speak from a different experience than you because I sold, I didn't raise money. So it was, it was a very different process. So like when you are sitting there and you pitch an investor and you see the investor go with, Someone else who probably doesn't have as good of a product and it's a male. Like, how do you feel in that moment? You I'm know, angry here. Like I I'm past, I'm not angry. It's water off a duck's back. It is just
1: stay focused. I mean, I'm some founders don't want to know what the competition is doing. I am so hyper-aware, and I think it's really important to understand. I mean, it sucks, but. It's not. It's not the best use of my time if I get emotional and angry. It's just not. Like there is no good that can come of it.
0: I'm angry at the, at the, yeah, environment surrounding it. You know what I mean? Because seriously, like if you need anything to get done, you like give it to like I say, a busy mom, um, yeah. really and truly, or like you know, like women are amazing multitaskers and. I just it 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 upsets me when I hear you know that there are these amazing viable products out there not being funded and a lot of times you and I both know it is because of the gender bias. So No absolutely.
1: Um, I think so there's this amazing quote that um, the former CMO of JP Morgan Chase said at a conference I hosted a while ago and her name's Kristen Lemkow. She's just the biggest badass. I'm such a fan girl. She says when you face resistance, teach. And it is so true in relationships with, you know, colleagues, with clients, whatever it is. But I think when you, and an example I'm going to give here is so many times I have virtually walked into an investor meeting and I can tell you that more often than not, the investor on the other side of the table who usually he has no idea of how big the marketing industry is. And they've made their decision about you um, based on appearance before you open their mouth. And it's really frustrating. And so I think that teaching someone and trying to get them to empathize with a problem, um, data is really helpful um, to, again, take the emotion out of it. But look, we've got a long way to go. And I hope that one day I can be on the other side of the table and invest because you know, it's, yeah, to get from 2.2% to hopefully higher than 50 uh, is going to take us a while collectively.
0: So you, we talked a little bit at the beginning about how you were really doing double duty when you first started this. And a lot of founders do. I worked in my corporate job and I was pregnant and I came home and worked at night very similarly to how you were describing work, like waking up at 4 a.m. and working with your developers in Poland. When was the moment when you were like okay like I can I can leave I can cut the cord I can take the chance what what was that so I
1: I'm a hyper-communicative person. I mean, you know, no surprise in terms of the line of work that I'm in. Um, And so when I came up with the idea and when I registered the business and because I was working at a hyper-growth tech startup, you need to divulge anything that you're working on um, to the company. And so I did that in 2018. Um, In April of 2019, I gave them six months. And so I had a deadline that was enough time for me to get comfortable with leaving but it also was a you know it was a tight enough deadline that i had so much to do to get me to that point so i think it was the 30th of october 2019 i ended up consulting back to them for 3 months and then you know it was 2020 and it was kind of the product was in a good place pandemic happened and that was launched so it was a it was not a quick process it was not like you know i was trying to save every penny you know i funded I funded the first build um, completely myself. I put everything I had into it. And so it was definitely not like a split decision. Oh, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. Like, you know, start to end, it was a year. Um, and so, you know, was I too cautious? Maybe, but that was, that's what felt comfortable for me. And it was, look, it was really hard because my nine to five was, you know, as I said, a high growth tech company, which is not a nine to five. You are you know, I had a 20, I had two 24 sevens. And so it was really, really taxing and difficult, but, um,
0: yeah. And I probably didn't handle it the best. I'm like trying to think of tips to give. Well, I was going to say like, for, like for someone who's starting something new, like, would you recommend cutting the cord and just going for it? Or would you recommend doing what both you and I did, which is working both for some time? I mean, because it's either one is very hard and both are very scary. So there isn't, there's not a binary
1: answer. It's, that's not a yes or no answer. And the reason being like one, I think it is much harder to do it as a solo founder. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I don't regret that, but I think it's much harder to do as a solo founder. And I think unfortunately it completely lies on what financial position you're in. Now the double-edged sword here is, and look, access to capital has never been easier, not saying that it's easy, but it's never been easier, whether that's taking debt, whether that's raising money, whether that's, you know, whatever the mean is. However, a lot of people don't fund you unless you're working on this 100%. And so that's kind of the double-edged sword. Um, I worked so hard and saved every penny to fund the V1. But again, that's, you know, that's not something that everyone can do. So I, if I was to... Um, if I was to give advice, I would say really seek out an accelerator where they really incubate, you know, this is, if it makes sense, if it's, you know, I'm speaking from tech experience. So if you can seek out a tech tech accelerator or an incubator where they're helping you incubate the idea, they're introducing you to your founder, they're giving you some money for equity, I would say that if you can get into one of those, once you get in, quit your job and then go go down the process.
0: So what would you, what are three things that you would tell a founder or someone who's starting that they should be doing actionable steps that they should take to start their business?
1: The first one is tell everyone, tell everyone you meet that you're starting this business because it becomes real. And I don't think that that is classified as manifesting, but it's more, and this is maybe with me that you think that everyone around you is keeping you accountable. And so I think that's a really, and a lot of people, you know, they're so private and secret and I don't know if that is, and this kind of segues into number two. And I so believe um, it's what, what's the Sheryl Sandberg quote, better done than perfect. Um, It's never going to be perfect. It's never, ever, ever, ever going to be perfect. And so just get it out. Um, And then, and then iterate and then, Let the world give you feedback once everyone you've told knows about it. And then the third thing is what we said earlier is really identify what you're not good at, identify what you're amazing at, and then fill in the blanks and figure out, you know, how people around you can help you because I'm not an accountant and I'm not an engineer and I'm not, you know, I'm not a finance person. And so I think that they're probably the three things that I would say.
0: Lara Vandenberg, CEO and founder of Publicist, thank you so much for joining me on Dear Founder today and for sharing your story and your knowledge and your wisdom and experience. I am so excited to see where this goes. Thank you so much. Oh, this has been
1: so fun. We could, I wish we were doing it over wine or something.
0: I know in Puerto Rico too. (laughs) Sounds great. I told you that Lara was incredibly impressive and I'm sure you're walking away from the conversation thinking exactly that. There were so many takeaways from today's discussion with Laura, and as you know, I'll be sending them to my email list, so you're going to want to make sure that you subscribe to the link in the show notes. When you do, you'll also get a lesson every single week to help you grow your business. But for now, here are my top five takeaways from today's episode. Number one, the bigger the company, the bigger the pain point, and the more people you need to hire. Corporate America has not developed as fast as it needs to in order to hire and keep people from leaving. Number two. You may have to pay your employees before you pay yourself. It's part of being a founder. When you find someone that compliments your shortcomings, it's imperative that you pay them first. Number three, no one is good at everything. When you identify what you're good at and what you can delegate, that is the most crucial lesson. You need to hire for the superpowers that you don't have. Number four, it's important to understand what your competitors are doing but there is no good that can come out of getting emotional and upset about circumstances surrounding business or circumstances that are out of your control. Number five, when you face resistance, teach. When you know someone who, when you know someone has made a decision about you before you even open your mouth, teach them, get them to empathize with you and to understand what it is that you provide and how you can solve their pain points. I want to thank Laura so much for being here on today's episode And thank you to everyone who tuned in. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure you take out that phone, scroll all the way down, hit that five-star rating, or leave a review so that others can find us. When you do this, people can find Dear Founder and, and the amazing guests that we share each and every week much easier. So please make sure you also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever it is that you listen. If you know someone who is looking to hire, or if you know someone who is starting their own business, please make sure to text them this episode, or you can share it in your Instagram stories, tag me, and I will be sure to share them to say thank you. Please stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.